who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello, everyone. It's Noah Daniels. We're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. You know, we like to support tattoo artists when we can. And this one is blowing up on TikTok. She's got some really cool material out there. Material. She's got some really cool art to check out that she's been doing. Um, her name is Tara. You can find her at Tara Nicole Tattoos on TikTok and Instagram. Tara, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Noah. I'm super excited to be talking to you today. So, Tara, I know that you like the supernatural, like many tattoo artists seem to do. Do you think that the supernatural pulls towards tattoo artists or do tattoo artists pull themselves towards the supernatural? Why do you think there's always seems to be that link there? You know, for me personally, I know plenty of artists that are a female artist anyway, that are the girly girl type and like to do all the fun and girly tattoos. But for me personally, I have always been drawn to the darker side of things. I can remember my mother having a small conniption when I was about 12, thinking that I was just clinically depressed because all I wanted to wear was black. One thing we love to find out on the podcast is where our guests fall in what we call the believometer. Zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts at all. Ten ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? 100% 10. 10. With you being a 10, I'm going to assume that you have some experiences with the paranormal. What is kind of your introduction or origin story with the paranormal? That's the Highland Avenue house. So I grew up in New York on Long Island, um, and my grandparents had a house in St. James. I spent a lot of my time there um, growing up. This house was erected in the 1800s. And it was a huge Victorian with a separate barn that had like a loft. It was owned by people who ran the local circus. So there were all sorts of antique um, equipment in this barn and posters, which I now, as an adult, I'm like, wow, I would kill someone to have those. To have that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Grew up in the early 90s and parental or guardian supervision was a truck driving down the road every, you know, couple of hours and 
and maybe the kids were alive. So we got into, me and my cousins and I, we got into um, quite a bit in this house. And my grandma was also kind of a trickster. Would you define yourself as a latchkey kid? Because I also grew up in the 90s and I was just straight up my own parental figure, basically. Yeah, you know, I was you know 90s and early 2000s. So for sure, it was let yourself in, start dinner and make sure your sisters have their homework done. Yeah. Previous owners ran a circus, which is wild. I've never heard that right. statement on the podcast. <laughs> um, do you feel like those previous owners history added to the vibe of that whole, like the whole real estate that you guys were in? Yes. Um, because I, you know, now as an adult, hindsight's always 2020. I'm like, I'm getting images of American Horror Story season four, the freak show. It definitely wasn't that bad. Um, the, the woman who sold the house to my grandparents had been the wife of the owner of the circus and he had passed away in the house. That being said, I think he was not very malicious, but the man in the plaid shirt definitely existed. And there have been many times going back to my grandma being a trickster where she would, you know, knock on the walls of the rooms that we were playing in and pretend and then like, you know, go and hide and pretend like she wasn't there until this one time my cousin Michael and I were playing in my mom's old bedroom that my mom grew up in that house. And she also believes it is extremely haunted. And um, I heard knocks coming from the closet. So I opened the closet door and there was no one there. And this closet backs up to the hallway and I peeked my head out the hallway. I couldn't have been more than six years old. And there was no one there. So I went back to playing with my cousin, Michael. And I heard the knocks again. And it was like the second that I sat down, which is very much what my grandma used to do when she pretended to be the Wicked Witch from Snow White or something like that. So now I'm like, all right, investigation time. I peek my little head around the corner and she's not out. The closet door is wide open. I don't see anybody in there. So I'm calling down the hallway. Grandma, grandma. And I see the man in the plaid shirt for the first time. It was a swift around the corner into one of the other bedrooms. I went flying down the stairs, calling my grandma, calling my grandma, because I'm, I'm at this point, my cousin Michael is sitting in the room, has no idea what's going on. We left him in the dust. Uh, my grandma was outside in the garden. And that was the first time that I saw the man in the plaid shirt. My cousins have other stories. My mom is very familiar with this man in the plaid shirt. She said that she used to see him in the attic all the time, casually, you know, just hanging out, which, you know, this, this house was extremely, extremely old and, you know, old cellar doors. My grandpa had installed those in the attic to keep all the kids out. My mom was one of six. So uh, many times she would think that my grandmother, because my grandpa traveled for work, was in the attic doing something and she'd go up there and the doors would be shut or latched. Just to confirm, the man in the plaid shirt, that was the owner of the circus that you were, or was this a different, or, or you don't know? or I don't know because okay. I wish there was more history on the house. Um, I did do due diligence through high school to try and figure out, you know, this house was super haunted. I grew up in a haunted house and my friends were like, okay. Whatever. He never, he never walked up and like handed his Barnum and Bailey uh, right. card to you. <laughs> Let me formally exactly, introduce exactly. myself. We saw him a lot in the barn after that. And it just kind of seemed like he was going through his life and routine, kind of just checking, you know, we'd see him from the loft and it was always like a swift saw him walking around, you know, oh red gosh. and yellow and brown plaid, like, like those 
things that are popular now, those plaid shirts. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was a full in-color apparition. Is, is that accurate? Accurate. But we never, ever, ever saw his face. Wow. Was it because it wasn't there to see or just the sight of the ghost was like enough and you hightail out of there? Exactly. We saw the plaid shirt and because it was so striking and out of there. Oh, that gives me the chills. That's um, <laughs> to ha have so many of you experience that. That's so unusual. You know, unfortunately, so many, as you know, like stories with the paranormal or isolated experiences, man, to have that confirmation so early on when it happened to you when you were young, did the other family members confirm to you at that time? Yes, there is a ghost or did they kind of try to protect you from that? Protect, gaslight, you know. Um, <laughs> Go hand in hand sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. They Like all us kids were definitely... Um, told that it wasn't real. Now my family definitely enjoys scaring the hell out of children. I don't know why they thought this was appropriate in the 90s. And there are many, many stories that I could get into about Krampus and my uncles pretending to be Krampus and stomping on the roof of my, oh my child's home. Yeah. Um, let's not go into that trauma. But um, as we got older and talked about like the Highland Avenue house, it really kind of came full circle after my grandmother passed away which is kind of like a good segue into my the only time that I saw a full apparition and I saw a face and I saw like hair and everything and I'm getting chills already. Well, be before we jump into that yeah. one, I am curious, at what age did you accept to yourself, maybe not with the confirmation of other family members, but to yourself, hey, this entity that I'm seeing, it is a ghost. I, in fact, do believe in the supernatural. The first time that I saw, because, really? you know, I guess up until that point, there have been like hints and, you know, being six, I guess you talk about ghosts, ghost stories, ghost mm -hmm. books, but I have always felt presence. I've always felt energy. I'm very, very sensitive to stuff like that. And it was just confirmation when I ran down the stairs and ran out into the garden and saw my grandma there and knowing that no one else was in the house except for me and my cousin, Michael, that this is it. They're real. They're here. And before your grandmother passed, did you ever get an opportunity to talk to her about the hauntings that took place in her home? So my grandma always liked to make everything more positive. So it was always guardian angels. That's just your guardian angels looking out for you. She never wanted us to be scared unless she was doing the scaring. Yeah, my mom would try to pull that, but I think it was just because she didn't want me to believe that, you know, and if I was going to believe, well, then it must be something positive. But definitely woke up one night with a lady like screaming down onto my face. It was so oh, intense. I like, yeah, I God. ran downstairs. I was young. I don't remember exactly how young, 10 to 13. And I woke both of my parents up. I was like, there's a ghost. Da, da, da. And I was just like spiraling, you know, my mom was like, it's an angel. And I was like, it's not a fucking angel. It's like the first time I ever cursed in front of my parents. And my dad was just like, go back to bed. You'll be fine. Sure. Send me to bed with the demon. This yeah. is good. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Okay. So let's segue to your next story. You had mentioned that the next paranormal experience took place after your grandmother passed away. Yeah. So she was definitely like the matriarch. Like she was... She was my second mom. She took care of me quite a bit. You know, my parents had going on whatever they had going on. And when my grandmother passed away, my mom was very, 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 very distraught. And my dad was unable to help her. So I have three younger sisters and I was in my sister's room with my back facing the door. And my 
two youngest sisters are twins and I was reading them a story. I was 12 at the time and my other sister Paige was nine and she was also in there and I'm sitting on one of the little tykes beds and I'm reading a story and my sister Amy who was four at the time goes hi grandma and I looked at her and she looked at me and she says grandma's here and so I did like the slow turn and there she was she was standing there in the doorway in the nightgown that she passed away in it was and she hated it she said it was too (laughs) loosey-goosey it it was a white long sleeve um, nightgown that had like crochet details on it my family brought her home and did hospice at home for her when she was passing so she was in the comfort of her own home but I had turned around and there she was with her hair down in the nightgown I turned around real quick because I was so scared chills ran up my spine and tears were running down my face immediately because I did not have the capacity to deal with that. Finished reading the story, put everyone to bed and went into my room, which was the middle room. So my parents had a two-story ranch. It was like a little loft area. Seems to be a running theme in my life. I was the middle bedroom. Um, The two little ones were by the stairs and my sister Paige was in the end room. And my sister Paige came into my room about five o'clock in the morning and I thought she was coming to get into bed with me. So I lifted up my comforter to let her in bed. And she says, no, thank you. I just wanted to tell you, I was talking to grandma and she said that she didn't mean to scare you. She just wanted you to know that she loves you very much and mommy and Aunt Michelle too. And she went back to her room. And to this day, I still have a hard time believing that that happened. But in my you know future years and, and adult life, I have seen and talked to my grandma in my dreams many, many, many times and have had many conversations and advice sessions. I know that she's still with me and I know it's a guardian angel and I smell her sometimes. I, you know, people have a unique smell. She smelled like cigarette smoke and rose perfume and I smell her. Wow. That that's really remarkable. Did that experience make you, you know, as, as you reflect on it, did it make you like more of a spiritual person? Did it have an impact on you in that way? Or do you kind of look at it as it's that special bond between your and your grandmother, more of like a, a micro view than a macro? That's a hard question because my family in general is wasn't very like church going. Um, we're a very religious family. You know, we were the holiday churchgoers. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I think that beyond this life, I think you are regenerated. You have another life unless your spirit has a purpose. When my grandma left this earth, she was 63 years old and my family has been through a lot since then. And I think that probably in her soul, she knew that it wasn't time for her to go, but her physical body couldn't carry her Mm. any longer. So I guess that's the middle ground, you know, you're, I believe in rebirth and, you know, this middle ground of where spirits can do what they have to do or get stuck, which is where you get your hauntings from. But I, I truly believe that there are so many things that, you know, in the 2001, 22 years since she passed that have happened that she would have physically wanted to be here for that. She's still here and she's still with me, my mom, my yeah. sisters. And when you kind of look into your mind's eye back to that experience, how much of that experience is still I mean, obviously, you know it, right? You're able to tell the story, but how much of it, because it it was 22 years ago, is it still pretty fresh and recallable as far as the interactions uh, between you and your grandmother at that time? Or has it become more of the story of what happened? 
I can see that in my mind um, very, very clearly. Just like the the times that I saw the man with the plaid shirt, I can see it in my head very clearly. I'm assuming because it was probably somewhat traumatic and um, your brain does, you know, one of two things when you experience extreme trauma, you remember it forever and you can always see it and you can, you know, smells will trigger it or whatever, or your brain's like, oh no, 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 we can't have this delete. And I think I'm, you know, I'm on the former side there where I can see that like a movie. It'd be so great if we could choose what to delete. Right. I can't remember who my sixth grade teacher was, but man, I can remember some terrible times from that age. Trauma kids unite. Um, but uh, I was not popular. I'm cool now. I was not popular. I feel you. Yeah, that's another podcast for another day. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Are you in general somebody who remembers their dreams? Are you a vivid dreamer? I am, and I never used to be, but during COVID, you know, when we were all trying to sleep, I got really into trying to control my dreams Hmm. and trying to control what happens in them because um, at the time I was dealing with a lot of people around me not doing well as far as work goes and I was working a lot and I was like we're not doing this I am here to get peace so this one video I had listened to on YouTube in 2020 was basically like you know you click and you click and you click and it recommends and it recommends and it recommends and this one was you know connect with a loved one and I was like I'm listening. And I did listen. And, uh, you know, it kind of tells you to create a a place that you are and, you know, all the normal guided meditation kind of stuff. So when I had done this first time, I had pictured my grandparents' house, you know, they had since sold the, before my grandmother passed away, they had sold the Highland Avenue house. My parents had bought a house. They wanted to be close. So this house was much smaller, just as old, just as creepy of a basement. That was like kind of their MO. I had pictured this house and I pictured myself walking into the house and sitting down at the table and my grandma always had her seat and she always had the phone next to her because she was always going to call someone. She was always going to talk to you and tell you how much she loved you or she missed you or wanted you to come over, come sleep over this weekend, Tara. I would, you know, I would kill to hear her say that again, Yeah. but I sat at this table and I must have fallen asleep at this point. Um, because the next thing I remember I'm having tea with my grandma and I'm telling her how tired I am and how hard work has been. And, you know, I'm not getting any breaks and people aren't getting any better and people are panicking and people are angry and it's hard to be around. And yeah, my grandma always gave the best advice and she was like, you know, baby girl, this is temporary and I'm very proud of you. And you just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep working as a team and you're going to get through this and you're going to get a reward at the end. And of course, you know, you wake up when you have dreams like that in tears because, you know, she was a second mom, like her mom, like her, my mom's mom and my mom, they're on the same level. They are my, like the two most amazing women in the whole world. And 
you know, it woke up in tears and I called my mom right away. And she was like, you know, your grandma would never want to scare you. And I was like thinking about it. And my mom was a hundred percent right. You know, I was scared because I had talked to my grandma and I was scared. And that's why I was crying. Mm -hmm. Less, less like, oh my God, you know, I saw my grandma. I was more or less, I was, oh my God, I saw her and I talked to her and she gave me valid advice. The teamwork thing comes up a lot with my grandma. I guess, you know, she always really promoted family closeness. And I actually had my cards read at our anniversary at Nine Lives this past September. And, you know, I said, is there any messages from my grandma that she hasn't given me lately? And Three of Cups came up, which was teamwork. Keep working as a team. Every dream that I've had with her, every time that I've asked for advice, every time that I've needed her, she has come through. So was that the first time when you started doing that during the pandemic, when that happened, did it start there for you? It did. It, you know, I had been doing the the sleep talk downs and guided meditations mm-hmm. for a while. I guess this was about June of 2020 when I listened to like the connect with a, you mm-hmm. know, spiritual loved one or whatever, someone who's passed on now, more or less when I have a dream about my grandma, it's not because I'm asking for it. It's because she's coming to see me. That's really amazing that you were able to see a video like that and take you know, and the information actually provide help for you. I feel like so much of the stuff we see on YouTube and TikTok is like halfway through it, you're like, get out of here. <laughs> you yeah, know, like that's so cool that 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 worked for you and is working for you. So you had these two pretty surreal experiences, very different, obviously, experiences, but um, you know, one happened all the time that I think that kind of gave you the validity that, you know, this is real. The other one happened, but it was extremely impactful. And I think that, you know, would stick with anybody like it has with you. Has the paranormal, I hate to use the word died off. That's so stupid (laughs) to say with the paranormal. (laughs) Honey, have your interactions with the supernatural and the paranormal, other than the dreams with the, you know, they're taking place with, with the visits from your grandmother, has it died off for you? since then or, or are you still are there are there still some things going on that you're like okay I think this is also supernatural so I had mentioned at the tattoo shop earlier so this house is more than 100 years old and a couple of us have experienced things now we've only been there for a year me being the newest tattooer a lot of times I make um, exceptions for people and I will stay very very late and way past my bedtime working on a piece or getting trying to fit someone in just because I'm mm-hmm. like I will you know, do this for you this one time, but next time you got to take off of work because um, we're getting out of here at midnight. So naturally that leads to me cleaning up by myself. And as I mentioned, it is a house. So everyone's got their rooms, lights shut off. And I swear to you that each one of us have been there late at some point and have heard footsteps or have heard coughing. Coughing is the worst. Who here is coughing? Because it's just me. You just clean up real fast and you go. That's it. That's um, really scary. Yeah, it's like coughing's a very distinct sound. It's not you could be like, oh, it's just creaks in the floor. It's an old house. Like houses don't cough, you know. Houses don't cough. And the worst, the worst thing that has happened was so we have a new realism artist from Brazil who is insanely talented and works crazy hours like I do. Last week, him and I were <laughs> him and I were tattooing alone together at night. And we have like the security system that tells you what doors are open. So And I have my client and he has his client and I hear back door open. I'm like, hello. And no one answers. And I stood up and I went 
and peeked my head out my door. That back door was wide open and there was no one there. Yeesh. And so I went no and I closed thanks. the door and I came back and this realism artist, his name is Bruno. I looked at Bruno and I said, Bruno, I told you, he did not, he just started with us. He did not believe me. I was like, I told you, I was like, you know, this house has been here for a long time and Charlotte has a lot of history. So you're tattooing at Nine Lives Tattoo in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You were telling me that that you're a junior tattooer. You know, your your work is is really great. And I hope everybody heads over to your, I almost said your supernatural accounts, to your social <laughs> media accounts on TikTok and Instagram at Tara Nicole Tattoos and check that out. I, I would love to talk to you a little bit about your history of, as, as an artist, as a female artist in the tattoo game. And kind of how you have been able to promote yourself on social media to help you kind of put your your best foot forward. And and because I, I don't know, I mean, I know a lot of our audience does have tattoos and, you know, a lot of people that are really into horror and supernatural genre, a lot of times do have tattoos. I mean, not to like, you know, cliche everybody, but so some of this may be common to people, but I don't know if people quite understand how difficult it can be. And and I feel like now I'm mansplaining what you went through. I'll let you <laughs> tell it. So if you, if you can share with the audience kind of your journey of, you know, did you have a hard time finding a good person to apprentice under? Have you been getting any backlash of like promoting yourself online? You know, do people feel a certain way about that? You do a good job of like drawing eyes in and then it's like, hey, here's my work and, and you know, check this out which I think is so important in the new world we live in. I mean, it, it can really help you get clients. You know, it, it can help you put your personality out there, which really is infused with an artist anyway. So how has all that been for you when you when you started as an artist? You mentioned that you were previously a nurse, so you're kind of going into a new career on top of everything else. Did you find that process easy and seamless? Has it been a bit of a transition? What has that been like? Uh, okay. Um, so the industry is, um, you know, this is in no way for me being sexist. We're just going to lay that out here. Like it is inherently male. Um, and I fell into, this is my second apprenticeship. I fell into my first one and it ended because I was being treated very, very, very inappropriately. And um while I have always been artistic, this person um, pretended to be interested in my art and was really interested in in something else entirely. And um, so when I when I found this apprenticeship, I actually moved from another state because I literally put online on my TikTok that I was like, listen, I'm looking to move to this area. Um, I'm willing to do whatever anyone wants me to do to start over because tattooing will or does, it sets my heart on fire. I love what I do. Um, people are like, Oh, I can't believe you left being a nurse. You could make so much money and this and that. And it's, and for me, it's not really about that. Um, like when I tattoo someone and they look at their tattoo and they're like, oh, I love it. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I get to create basically whatever I want. I get to wear whatever I want. I get to hang out with cool people. I have the best clients. Like that whole energy thing, like we, we attract really, really good people um, because that's the same kind of vibe that we put out also. Um, so with this apprenticeship and someone actually teaching me, you know, how to tattoo instead of just putting a machine in my hand and saying, go for it. Yeah. Um, 
it has been both challenging and thrilling because um, if you struggle with perfectionism like I do, you will literally, you know, live, eat, and breathe tattooing. I get up in the morning and I draw and then I go to work and I tattoo. And then if I don't have a client that day, I'm there drawing flash. And then I come home and I look at pictures of tattoos and I look at my tattoos and I compare tattoos and I see what seminars I can go to and who can I learn from and look at this artist and this artist has a video on this and save this and do that. Because tattooing is one of those jobs that you are going to get out of it what you put into it. So it is incredibly difficult. And I don't think people see that because on it, you know, instead of doing my nine to five nursing, I am working 24 seven, 365, but I want to be the best. I, I want to be the best and I want to give people the best experience. And I want to hear what people have to say about what kind of art they want on their body. And I want to make it happen. Do you specialize in a certain style or are you still, or do you like doing all styles or what's your portfolio? Uh, I am working towards um, having a fully neo-traditional forward slash illustrative kind of career. Uh, career. I really love color. Um, right now, I'm doing both black and gray and color. Um, all of my stuff is kind of illustrative because I'm not apprenticing under someone who is a realism artist. Um, that could potentially become true in the future. Um, but for now, I'm really working on that neo-traditional bold um, lines, but the like the juxtaposition of fine line with color and all those beautiful things that come together to make a really cool, diverse, and dynamic picture. Yeah, I'm a neo-trad guy. So when I saw your portfolio, I was like, oh, look at those bold <laughs> lines. I love it. They're there forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I did recently get a fine line tattoo from someone who's extremely talented. I got a fine wow. line realistic skull from another girl in town here um, that I'm 100% blown away from. But at this point, I am a collector rather than my body has to look this way. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that too. Well, I'm so happy that through it all, it sounds like you've been able to find where you need to be to help you become the artist you want to be. I know that you have a contest right now where people can potentially win uh, a tattoo from you. Can you tell us about that? Sure, I would love to. Um, I want to preface this with I only have one account. It's Tara Nicole Tattoos, and it's that way through both my Instagram and TikTok and my email because there is a lot of scammers. But I am giving away a tattoo. Um, I have four pre-drawn designs that the winner can choose from. Um, basically, you just head over to my Instagram, and there is a pinned post that says October Tattoo Giveaway. Just tag two friends in the comments, and I'm going to do a drawing on live on Halloween morning for a winner, and I'll announce that winner on my story, and you can come get a free tattoo. Awesome. Well, audience, if you're listening to this, if it's not Tuesday, October the 31st, make sure you go and do that, especially if you're near the, or especially if you're near Charlotte, North Carolina, make sure you can get there. Don't go enter a contest that right. you're going to win and be like, but Tara, can't you come to Hawaii to put this sure. tattoo? You know, like whatever. Right. <laughs> um, I can say that the winner has to come within two months. So please don't take that opportunity away from someone who can't come get a tattoo. I am going to do, I have a couple of other giveaways planned in the future. Maybe selfishly, because I really want to focus on getting some more neo-traditional work in my portfolio, but also I love to give back. I love to do free tattooing and gifting of tattoos to some of my clients, just because 
like I said, I hear their stories and I'm like, you know what, how about a free session? Of course, you know, with the free tattoo, it's usually what I want to do. And, you know, with some guidelines and we work on it together, but, um, Tattoo gifting is one of the best feelings ever. I love to give people tattoos. I love the the good parts of that industry. I love the good parts of the art. I, I love meeting people, you know, if, if I'm out for like a work conference or something and, and them being totally shocked that I have tattoos and then them showing me their tattoos and the story, you know, it's just such a... It's such a fun thing. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing your time with us tonight and sharing your stories about the paranormal and letting me talk to you about tattoo stuff and, and the audience hopefully being patient as <laughs> tattoos aren't their thing. Uh, I only took 15 minutes of your time, audience. Okay. We, we front loaded it with full of spooky, but no, that was great. I'd love for you to tell our audience where they can find you, where they can get tattoos and anything else you'd like to share as we wrap up. You guys can always find me um, at Tara Nicole Tattoos on Instagram or on TikTok. And that is also my Gmail handle. Even if you reach out for a tattoo or want, you know, some kind of consultation, I'll always, you know, route you back to my email because I can't keep track of things. I do struggle. Other than that, I really, really super appreciate you having me on. It was super fun. I am more than willing to keep you guys updated on what goes on in the shop because we still have another 18 months left on our lease. As long as you don't go in the shop and hear bzz, 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 and to see like floating tattoo guns. Right, right, right. I don't think ghost tattoos, I mean, picture of a ghost, yes, but ghost tattoos might not be so good. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> uh, the real permanent tattoo, the one you get in the afterlife. Exactly. So I would love for you to do the wrap up with me. It's really cheesy, but hopefully fun. I'll say my name, yeah. you'll say your name, and then we just go, woo! <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, with that, I'm Noah Daniels. And I'm Tara Nicole. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.